Hello and welcome to another episode of The Candid Fitness, a podcast where I share my learning through personal stories and also invite guests to talk about their stories or share their expertise on all things fitness which includes physical health, nutrition, workouts, mental health, self-discipline and much more. This episode is a conversation with Rod Cooper who is a movement coach and founder of The Movement Collective, a fitness facility in Newcastle which is quite a unique and unconventional setup for a gym. It is an amazing place for everyone to work out together and be part of a supportive community. I met Rod in 2019 when I was living in Australia and traveled all the way to Newcastle with the sole purpose of spending time in his fitness facility, TMC, and learning from the team. And it surely was a wonderful experience. Rod has changed career paths multiple times from being a chef to a brewer, making and tasting beers, and now following his passion for all things movement. It's interesting how he embraces change tackles obstacles and is always looking forward to new challenges in life. In this episode we discuss his journey and deep dive into his mindset as he goes through each of his career transitions. Coincidentally he has spent 6 years in each of these different roles: chef, brewer, and now a movement coach and business owner. It was wonderful talking to Rod and I hope you enjoyed it too. If you wish to know more about Rod and the movement facility he has founded in Newcastle, check out the links in show notes. If you enjoy this conversation, Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Lastly, if you are a busy professional looking to integrate fitness and healthy nutritional habits into your lifestyle, check out one-on-one online coaching page on my website abhimanyubhargav.com and book a free discovery call with me. I would love to know how I can help you. Links are in the show notes. Now let's deep dive into this inspiring story of Rod Cooper and his mindset of embracing uncertainty. So come join us and enjoy this candid conversation. This is the moment when we pretend that we did not speak for 20 minutes. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Rod. Uh, really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. So you've had a very intriguing career path, and you were a chef at one point, and then you moved to becoming a brewer, and then you sort of uh, discovered your love for movement, love and passion for movement. and you became a movement coach and then you eventually opened uh, the movement Coll- collective uh, yes. which is an independent gym in newcastle which i was fortunate enough to be part of for an entire month uh, and i still cherish the memories from those days i really enjoyed my time there so from the audience side if anyone is listening from sydney or close to newcastle that's the place that you must visit it's it's amazing uh, highly recommend that So you made so many career shifts, and it's not easy. It takes a while to uh, take that decision that okay, I want to jump to that next career path. And even when you take that jump, there are a lot of challenges. So I want to understand your mindset during those phases of change. What goes through your mind, and how did you uh, cope up with that huge shift? during each of those phases so maybe we can talk from the beginning probably when yeah. you started your first job and then you decided that i want to uh, move from being a full time chef to a brewer uh, and then from there on to what you are doing now yeah well actually i was working at mcdonald's that was my first job so that was kind of like you know in the kitchen cooking so i guess that gave me the idea that i could do that and that's what i did straight out of high school I actually left high school uh what was it at the start of year 12 so I'd finished year 11 and I started year 12 and I just realized that you know like school was not for me and I'd felt this for a really long time but I got to the point I was just like oh, I need to do something about this because I'm just like suffering here in school like it just like the social element was really cool like had a you know good friend base and it was really cool but in terms of sitting in the classroom listening to the teacher doing the work was not for me so i decided to get a job uh as a chef so i worked as a chef for about 6 years and i was speaking about this recently actually so those career paths that you're talking about i've worked 6 years in each one of them so 6 years as a chef 6 years as a brewer and then 6 years now coming up in april for owning tmc and being a movement teacher so i'm wow. just hoping that yeah it's it's there's this pattern showing so Hopefully TMC will still be around this year and I don't 
get to the same conclusion that I did with the other jobs and just like sell TMC. No, it's, it's definitely not going <laughs> to. I was uh, going yeah. to ask that, is, is, does that mean TMC is going to end or maybe TMC will get to a, another whole Yeah, maybe level. it moves to the next level. It moves to, uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm just kind of just playing it, you know, playing it by ear and we'll see what happens. But yeah, so I was a, a chef for about six years and then I got to a point where, yeah, I was qualified. So I did my apprenticeship, went to TAFE, worked at a bunch of different restaurants throughout my career. And I wanted to do that as well. Like I moved around every 12 months. That was my plan to not be stuck in one place for the whole of my apprenticeship. I told this uh, training company that I was kind of working under that, hey, like every 12 months, I really want to shake things up and I want to get experience at a cafe. I want to get experience at a fine dining restaurant. I want to get experience moving around different cafes and restaurants in Newcastle. Can you make that happen? So yeah, that's exactly what happened. Every year I'd move around and I was at a place called, oh, it was the Crown Plaza in town. It's called Breeze Restaurant. And it was a pretty fine dining restaurant. And yeah, I just kind of just got a bit sick of it. Like I just doing the, it was always a rush. Mm-hmm. You can imagine like being in the kitchen. It was, you know, as soon as you get in there, you're looking at your prep list, you're seeing what needs to be done for the day. Then you rush around and try to get all the prep work done. You know, you cut everything up, get everything ready for service. And then service comes, all the patrons come in, they sit down. And then you're rushing again. You're rushing to make all the food. You get it out as, you know, as fast as you can. And then about 11 o'clock at night, you finish, everyone goes. And then you're left there rushing to try to get out of there before midnight. So for me, it was just like a high stress environment that I just wanted to get out of. It was, it served its purpose. And I really love having those capabilities and being able to cook now is absolutely amazing. I think Jenny appreciates that as well. I can see that in your Instagram stories as well. Like you, the, the way you cut everything, like onion, it's like so. Tick, 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 yeah, really yeah. And ev- you know what? Everyone comments on that. They're like, oh my God, like you cut so fast. So I'm re- really grateful that I actually went through that process and learned those skills because for me, that trade is such a vital part of my life right now. And for people that can't do it, it's, it's a massive struggle. Like they're using blunt knives and they're kind of chopping around almost cutting their fingers off. And it just, the prep time for them probably takes a really long time. And for them being in the kitchen might be a little bit like, you know, painful. But for me, it's just a breeze now because I just know it, you know, it's just so easy. And plus for you, the, the food choices would have been much easier as well. Like, you know, so many things that you can cook. So it's, it's yeah for you to know, okay, this is what I want to buy as grocery from, from the supermarket. And this is how I'll cook. And it's, it's like really quick. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still get into like everyone get into my habits of like cooking the same thing. Uh, I, I know what works. I know what is good for my body. And it's normally meat and veggies. That's kind of the, the main sort of thing that I, that I eat. And yeah, I just kind of, yeah, a lot of slow roast these days as well. So that seems to be super simple, like get a, like a leg of lamb and some onions and some herbs and things like that, throw it in the slow roaster or the slow cooker, put it in at night, pull it apart in the morning. I've got, you know, slow cooked lamb. It's just amazing. So yeah, I, I tend to, um, to cook the same sort of things, but I know that it's super tasty and really good for me as well. Yeah, so I got to a certain point in that career and I just decided that I was just done with the stress. Like I was just done in that environment where it was just hectic all the time. And I felt like there was just something else that was kind of calling me. At the time, I was looking around for different jobs. I looked joining the fire brigade. I looked at um, a few other different things working for this. Um, oh, what was it called? It was like, it was just like a labor company, basically, just to do something different. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do something physical and get outside and be like a, a labor or a landscaper or something. I didn't know. I just like, I just know that I need to get out of this. Um, but an opportunity came up. Two of my cousins were working at a uh, Blue Tongue Brewery. It was over in Cameron Park, about 20 minutes away from where I live. So I asked them and they said, yeah, we've got some work going on at the production line. So where they bottle the beer and keg the beer. So I was like, cool, went in for an interview and got the job. Probably helped that I had two of my cousins, uh, Rich and Scott, working there. So that was awesome. They'd been working there for a little while. So, yeah, I got the job. And there was a lot of uh, crossover between being a chef and actually brewing. So it's like following a recipe, time management, all that kind of stuff, cleanliness all came into it. So I kind of had this skill set that was super transferable to the brewing industry without even knowing it. It wasn't until I started learning the brewing process that I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm pretty good at this. Like I, I feel like I'm pretty good at time management, scheduling and all that kind of stuff from, you know, my old career as a chef. So that career kind of started out and I was on the production line, just doing bottling and kegging. And then I learned filtration, 
uh, maturation or the cellar work. So like transferring the beer from the tanks and things like that, filtering the beer. And then I learned the brewing process. That was the, the final stage of my kind of development as a brewer. So I kind of over the, I'd say it was the first 12 months of learning that process. And, you know, there's still like anything, like being a movement teacher now, there's still so much to learn, but I knew enough that I could kind of work on any section and I kind of, you know, had it all kind of on lockdown. And be independent. Yeah, exactly. So that was really fun uh, working in that industry. And the immediate change that I saw moving from the chef environment to this environment was the, the time that I had. Like the, it was still quite stressful because you still had to, you're on a time limit, you still work in a certain amount of hours and things like that. But there was like these lull periods in between what we were doing, even turning up to work. I'd turn up to work, we could sit down and have, have a coffee and just chat with everyone, just like talking shit. And that would never happen in the, in the environment that I was in before. It was like, as soon as you got in, you were just rushing around trying to get things done. So it was, that was kind of cool just to know that I had the time and we could kind of relax into the job a little bit. Uh, and I just think learning something new was, was something that kind of drove me into a new industry. That was probably the biggest thing. Not that I'd mastered being a chef by any means, but I kind of learned enough that I was like, okay, I've, I've, I've got the skill and the capacity to kind of hold my own. I'm looking for something new and exciting. Yeah. So that kind of, that career lasted, yeah, about six years or so. Uh, four years of it was spent here in Australia, Cameron Park, and then they moved to Warnervale, which is on the Central Coast. I don't know if you went to the Central Coast when you were in Australia. It's kind of between Newcastle and Sydney. So it's about an hour away. Yeah. And the, the suburb was called Warnervale. So basically, Blue Tuck got bought out by a bigger brand and they built this brand new brewery. They spent like $130 million on this brand new brewery down there. So we all kind of moved our jobs down that way. So we had to drive down each day. And that was, again, it was new and exciting. It was all you know, learning new systems, uh, developing systems, SOPs, learning the processes. So that was really cool. There was a lot of downtime in the beginning as well. So there was like a period where we we're just playing like mini golf and playing like foosball and, and all these things that like, we're just waiting for things to get kicked off. Um, that was kind of cool. And then four years in, I decided that I wanted to shake things up again. I hadn't I didn't really have anything holding me back here in Australia. So I'm like, all right, let's do some, some sort of travel. So I asked my mate, Chris, he was living in Sydney at the time, if he wanted to go somewhere, like just travel somewhere on like a working holiday visa. And Canada was like the, the thing that was, seemed the easiest. It was like an English speaking language. It was super easy to get a two-year working visa. Like it just made sense for us to do that. Uh, I guess it was an easy option. When I look at it now, I'm like, all right, it's a pretty easy option for us, for us to go to Canada. But like, it was absolutely amazing trip. And that's kind of the, the moment that was like the catalyst. Me moving to Canada was like the thing that kind of set things off for my like career change to what I'm doing right now. And you moved to Canada because you were looking for another challenge. I think so. Yeah. Just something new and exciting. Like I'm always trying to look, you know, like that beginner mindset or that's through the child's eyes where like, everything becomes familiar at a certain point in our lives. And it's like, how do we, how do we shift that? How do we kind of, you know, remove ourselves from that kind of environment and that perception that we currently have and put ourselves in a new environment where everything's new and exciting again. I kind of can resonate with that because in some way I'm, I'm the same and I've been moving cities or even countries all my life. So last 15 20 years i haven't lived in one city for more than four years so i've constantly moved cities and there's there's a different kind of fun in starting from scratch or or getting into a different environment yeah which is a great pattern that i've seen in you and that's something that i really admire yeah well it definitely comes with its challenges as well it's not all fun and games you've got to build you know new friend friendships and um, find work and all these different types of things. But I think that there's kind of fun in the challenge of that as well. So challenges drive you, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's a part of it's like a little challenge. Like I can see everything as a game. So the challenge is like a game. It's like, oh, cool, let's, let's play this new game that I really have no idea how to play. But you begin to learn the rules and like you have other people there that are kind of can mentor you through the new game and teach you, you know, where to go and where to find things. So, yeah, it's kind of like that. Nice. Interesting. So what happened when you moved to Canada? So Canada, yeah, so we moved to Vancouver in Canada. The, the plan was to 
spend some time snowboarding and traveling around. Uh, we had a bit of a crazy trip heading over there. Um, so the plan was that we had enough money saved to spend a few months in Canada and be totally sweet. But we went to Vegas for four days and we also went to New York for a week. So we literally spent like all of our money on the way to Canada. So by the time we got there, we were like, oh shit, like we need to get jobs immediately to try, oh, wow. you know, to pay for rent and to feed ourselves. So, so yeah, you blew we, away we all the savings. What's that? You blew away all the savings. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Not all of it. Very close. You know, we had enough to just survive a, maybe a few weeks, maybe a month or so in Canada, but then it was like, kind of, that was it. Did it ever occur to you that, okay, I'm going to be in trouble if I spend so much while you were spending it? Oh no, I've never had a problem. Like I've always worked. So when I, when I was working in, well, working for McDonald's when I was, I was 14 when I got the job. So, and as soon as I could start working, that's when I started. So I've always had money, like just enough, like I've never been like rich, but I've just had enough money to do the things that I want to do. Like I've never said no to an event or no to a trip because I've always worked hard enough to have the money there to do the things that I love to do. So I think that's super important. Not that that's really good for my savings. That doesn't really, uh, it's not really amazing uh, like my savings account's not amazing, but I'm still able to do the things that I love to do today. So, but that gives you that ability to take risks from time to time yeah. because you don't fear that. Okay, if I don't have a job or if I don't have money for a, a long period of time, I'll I'll be in trouble because you're confident that okay, I'll be able to find something to do and I'll be able yeah, to make money. I'll make it work. I just know that I'm yeah, I'm a hard worker and I just know that. Yeah, if, if I lost my job at the brewery or TMC failed, like I still have so much confidence in myself that I could just step out the next day and just find some work. You know, like I'm pretty motivated in that sense that I would just make it work, basically. I'm not one to like sit in the corner and cry about, you know, things going wrong. I'm like, cool, like, okay, it's, it's not a good situation. Like how do we kind of resolve this and, you know, make it better? Amazing, that's a... Very rare trait and an amazing trait to have to, to, to face your fears or face your problems head on and just yeah. get it's over it. It's like just constantly doing it, just like constantly chipping away. And that builds the confidence. Like if you're constantly kind of, you know, always doing your best, it's like showing up, doing your best. I, it just builds a sense of like this deep kind of understanding or knowing that I can make it work regardless of what's thrown at me. Yeah. So that definitely helps opening TMC, knowing that I, had no experience teaching movement for one because I didn't teach movement before I opened TMC. It was like with the one package. It was like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. And I just went all out and just did the thing. Wow. Yeah. So, so when you were in Vancouver and you reached there with no job and no savings, uh, what did you do next? Yeah, so I just immediately started sending resumes out. So I found all the craft breweries in Vancouver, which was there was a lot at the time. And I just sent all these resumes out and also some bottle shops as well. So I try to think outside the box and not just, you know, not just try to get the perfect job. It's like I literally do anything just to earn some money because I know that there's these like transition phases in, in our lives where we can't always just be doing the, the top thing or always, you know, there's always these like progressions, you know, it's the same with movement. You can't always do the top movement first. You've got to progress to it. So I was like, cool, I just need to do something. So yeah, I literally just went around, printed my resume, sent it out to bottle shops um, to, I think I sent it to retail stores, to breweries, all that kind of stuff, bars as well. So the first job that I actually got was at a place. It was a, it was a bottle shop and they specialized in beer. I think it was beer and wine, but they had over a thousand different types of beer. Thousand. Yeah. The place was called Legacy uh, and you know, over a thousand different types of beer. So it was pretty insane. Uh, while I was working in the brewing industry, we did all these taste tests um, for beers and we had to like detect all these different um, off flavors and the different flavors of the hops and the, all that kind of stuff with inside the beer. We already had a good understanding of what, you know, what to look for. But the job was teaching people or telling people what the beer tastes like. So you can imagine like people are coming into the store and I'm there and all these beers, like I'm not in Australia anymore. All these beers are fully foreign to me. They're all from the States and from, from Canada and things like that. Lots of imported ones as well. But people would come in like, oh, what's this beer taste like? I'm like, oh, and I could so give them, them? 
well, yeah, exactly. So it led, that's what it led to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it led to <laughs> me um, every day for the first, oh, it must have been for the first month, I would, I would buy about eight beers and I would take them home with my roommate, Chris, who moved over from Australia with me. And we would taste all these beers and just talk about the tasting notes and the smell and the aroma and all these different things. Um, so then I would have an understanding so I could do my job better. Like that wasn't required of me. But I'm like, I don't want to show up and just be like, you know, putting my hands up in the air when people ask me what a beer tastes like. I want to be able to give them, you know, I want to do my job the best I can. So I, I took the time and I made sure that I, uh, that I knew exactly, you know, what information to give them so I could help them out to make the best decision. From the outside, it, it sounds very fun that, you know, you were drinking almost every day. But I'm oh, yeah. sure it's not that easy because you, you, it's not just, you know, buying beers and getting drunk. It's understanding the taste and then probably making some notes as well to say that okay yeah this beer tastes like this this second beer tastes like this so it's it's not just getting drunk it's it's a lot of work yeah yeah it's definitely work but i i, I enjoyed it as well again it, it comes to just like learning something new you know like learning a new skill so yeah that was really interesting okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of i guess i got sick of beer at some point or those types of beers but yeah and then I eventually got a job working at a brewery. So Steamworks Brewery, they originally had a brew pub. They still do in Gastown. It's an area in Vancouver. So I started working there and they had the ideas of opening up a production facility. So that's similar to what I worked for, uh, worked at in, in Australia. So it's a big production facility where they keg, they brew, they do all the things. Uh, they were building it out in Burnaby. So there was a time where they sent me out to another brewery to start production. So they would, because I didn't have a car in Canada, they would pick me up and take me out about an hour and a half drive out to this other brewery. And I was in charge, like immediately, of uh, making the beer for this brand, Steamworks. And then eventually they built the production facility and I was just going out, like catching the bus out to Burnaby each day and brewing the beer. So that was, again, like just so new and exciting and super interesting for me to see this brewery being built from scratch. So another big challenge for you there. Yeah, it was. And then, uh, and then I guess while I was in Canada, I started training at a facility. Uh, it was called Origins and it was a parkour, primarily like parkour, but they had circus performers and stunt guys and hand balances and all sorts of stuff going on there. So that was kind of really cool environment for me to be a part of. I really learned a lot about myself and what I wanted to practice in terms of my physical um, capabilities, like what I wanted to do. And there was just so many options. That's what it really showed me that there wasn't just, wasn't just fitness anymore. Like there was just so many options and there, I could have gone down all these different paths and specialized in hand balancing or circus arts, but I really wanted to just kind of play with everything. It was just really exciting for me to see these guys at a really high level too. It was very inspiring for me to watch these guys that were just so good at what they did and to see that they really loved it. Like they weren't going to the gym you know, you, you know, you see people going to the gym and it's like forced, like they yeah. do it because they think it's healthy or they know that it's healthy or the doctor told them to do it. These guys weren't there because they've been told to do it. Like they were there because they loved it. And that really it. kind of resonated with me. Yeah, they loved it so much. And then that just like kind of pulsated out in, into everyone and everyone kind of felt that. So then everyone was turning up and loving what they were doing, practicing it because it's, it's fun to do. You know, it's a game again. It's not punishment. It's not forced. And you had not done anything like that before. No, I, I guess the first thing, well, I did CrossFit. So CrossFit gave me a little insight and it was about a year that I did CrossFit for before I moved over. That gave me a little insight into some gymnastic strength work and, you know, CrossFit's um, structure didn't really appeal to me. It was, it was really fast. It was, uh, I was trying to keep up with people like I'm only 70 kilos. Uh, and I was trying to keep up with people that were hundred kilos because there's like the RX, you know, like there's a, there's a standard that they set and it's like, you know, you weren't a man. If you, if you weren't at that level, if you weren't lifting 150 kilos on the deadlift and doing the same as that guy that weighs hundred kilos, then you weren't a man and you weren't RXing it. So then that kind of like, 
it didn't really resonate with me so well. And we teach very, very different to that these days. We've got everything scaled and no one in our classes will be forced to do something that's kind of like we'll push them for sure and encourage them to move to the next level. But we've got all these progressions and these steps that enables them to do that. We won't just be like, all right, you're brand new. You have to do the best thing. Like you don't you have to do the, the best progression. Like that's just not a thing. And the comparison it is not to compare with each other, but it's a healthy comparison, which is more inspiration that, okay, check out that guy or check out that girl. She's doing this and you should yeah. aim to get there at some time, but it's not a comparison where you're saying, oh, look at yourself and look at that person. No, not at all. Yeah, that's right. I think that's super damaging. Like I just don't agree with that at all. Yeah, I take inspiration from people that that really show up and and they're great hand balances, for an example. And I'm really passionate about hand balancing. I take inspiration from them for sure, but I'm not just comparing myself to them and feeling sad because I'm not them because I'm myself. I've got my own journey to kind of, you know, to be on. Yeah. So we never compare people. There's not like a winner of each class. It's not a big competition. And I wouldn't even say it's a competition. We don't even use the language of like, it's a competition with yourself because it's not a competition. We want to make sure you're doing the right thing for yourself. So like love your body, you know, like show up and, and do the right things for your body. Don't punish it and just push yourself to the limit um, until you break. Like that's not, that's not it at all. Right. So it's, it's, it's about exceeding your capabilities more like yeah. that. Yeah. Progressive overload, like what you said before. Yeah. We got on the chat. So you, you started doing all those different kinds of movements, parkour, hand balancing, uh, handstands, gymnastics. What happened next? What did you do? Like, how long did that continue for? Yeah, so, I, well, it was two years that I stayed in Canada for, for my working visa, maybe a little bit over that. I, think I stayed a few weeks after. Um, but during that time, I just started to develop this idea that I wanted to create my own business. And this was the first time I had ever had this thought. It almost feels like I was on autopilot before. That's when I, I had this moment of like, oh, I can, I can do this myself. Like I've got the capability of just doing it. And then it's kind of crazy when I think about it because I don't have any business experience. Like I don't know how to run a business. And I just had this idea that what I was practicing was really valuable for my life. And I wanted to just share that with others. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter that it was going to start out. I was going to rent um, space off another gym. So it didn't matter how it was going to start. I just kind of knew where it was going to progress to and that I could help people. So that was it. I was like, all right, I'm convinced now that I convinced myself that I was going to work, right? So the bigger purpose for you was to share your knowledge and help people rather than making money and running a successful business. Yeah. And doing what I love, kind of, molding the passion and the career together i thought that was a, a really good idea and I kind of, that kind of shot me in the foot for a little bit i might maybe i'll get to that in a bit but yeah at a point in my career that it wasn't working out i was concentrating too much on the business and not enough on myself but that's dramatically changed now but yeah so i just had these ideas that i wanted to start a business originally i wanted to start because i was in the brewing industry and that's what i knew i wanted to start well a cafe or a brewery maybe i was going to do both i just had this idea i'm like cool i'm going to do this but then more and more i would just start to think about movement and how important that was and how much i love that so i stopped drinking like i wasn't drinking a lot compared to people in the industry like i was only having you know we'd have a we'd go out to beer festivals and we'd have a few drinks but my main focus was my training so i would finish at two o'clock in the afternoon and most people would stay back and have beers and they're like stay back stay back so I think there was a part of me that felt really bad that I wasn't staying back and socializing with that group of people because they were really cool. I really liked them. But to me, my, my passion was, was in movement. So I would leave the brewery and everyone was drinking. I would leave and then go do training for like three hours in the afternoon, four hours. Yeah. So then at that point, I was like, all right, it's not a cafe. It's not brewing. It's movement. How do I make this work? And then I started to take a few workshops. I, I found a few mentors that were helping me understand how to teach people at a low level all the way through to an advanced level as well. So that was cool to go through that process of finding mentors and, and seeking out the information and, and starting beginning to understand how, you know, how I make this thing work. So how did you find the right mentor for yourself? Did you do some research or like, how do you decide that, okay, 
this person or these are the set of people that I want to learn from. Yeah. Well, I guess the first thing that I did was take some workshops with Ido Fortel. He was one of the guys that really inspired me to, to start the whole movement practice. So I took a bunch of workshops with those guys, which was super inspiring. And I just absolutely love the work that they're doing. But then I, I wanted to find someone local who I could have like face-to-face kind of sit-downs with and just kind of go over, instead of just going to a workshop and learning the thing that they're teaching, I wanted to go and ask the questions that I was unsure about. Like ask them the questions of like, you know, what, you know, what questions aren't I asking you that I should know? Like, what do I need to know to start a business? What do I need to know to teach people? Those kind of questions were super helpful for me. So yeah, I just found two guys in, in, um, in Canada that were able to help me out. And they were one, one of them owned a gym and the other guy was doing some kind of face-to-face like one-on-one type stuff. And they were both super helpful. So how did you approach this? Like, did you just walked up to them and ask them? Well, I just messaged them, I think, and said, hey, this is what I met. I met these guys before training. Um, and I basically just messaged them and said, hey, you know, pretty keen to start a gym when I go back to Australia. I'd love to do some sort of mentoring with you. And then, you know, we discussed the price and how long it would go for, what it looks like. And we just developed it. I don't think they had done mentoring like this before. And yeah, it was a new opportunity for them to kind of share their knowledge. Because that's one thing that I've learned that, that I want to continue to do and that really drives me to keep learning is that I'm able to then share it with others. That's, that always is like this theme that keeps coming up that I'm able to, it's just, there's just so much joy in that. And, and I really don't believe, I know there's some, some people out there that think that you have to be at a certain level to share the information. Like you have to be the expert to share, but I, I think that's bullshit. And if you've got something, some information or tools that can help someone in any part of their life, like you should share it regardless if you consider yourself an expert or not. Yeah, and that's a great way of thinking of it. And that's something that you probably don't know, but I learned from you uh, back when I was, uh, when I had visited TMC. Before that, I wasn't posting much on Instagram, but when after I spent that one month in, in Newcastle with you guys, it's that time when I started posting consistently on Instagram. And it's, it's worked really well since then. Like the confidence that I have now compared to one and a half years back when I was there, it's, it's, it's totally different. Now I don't think as much before sharing something, uh, but before that I was like thinking a lot about what's, what does the angle look like? Am I doing that particular move or exercise correctly? How do I look my clothes, uh, all sorts of things, which are not so important, uh, which were more of a reflection of my insecurities rather than what the quality actually was. And I think uh, that's something that I learned watching you especially and other people at TMC that, you know, keep putting out content, keep putting out uh, more of yourself because as you keep doing it, uh, you automatically gain confidence. And I think, uh, I remember we had, uh, you had a competition there uh, of frequently posting it while I was there. So that participating in that competition really helped me. So that's, that's a great mindset i must say absolutely yeah and then you realize that there was nothing to fear like you're if you've got something to share and it's helpful that's the only question you need to ask yourself now like not about like the angles and what clothes you're wearing this and that it's just like is this is this going to be helpful for someone exactly. and then cool like, just put it out there and i think angles and and quality improves with time as you get more and more used to it you'll try different things and then the quality will improve uh, dramatically but if you keep uh, dwelling on how does it look like now or how, how am I looking from the beginning itself, then you'll never progress to the stage or the state where you want to be. You'll just basically keep stopping yourself from doing the thing just in case you fail. But you can't fail with that. It's like, you know, just put it out there and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the interesting part on uh, the mentoring thing is that that mentorship which you did did not exist you reached out to them and you asked them if they are willing to do it for you, right? Which is another interesting thing. Like a lot of people don't reach out for help and they only reach out to people who they think are willing to help. Yes. But you like somebody, you, you uh, felt that, you know, I can learn a lot from them. And then you just reached out to them and asked if you are willing to help me. And luckily- yeah, I think a lot of people are scared to ask for help. Like they take it as a, a hit on their kind of ego that they have to put their hand up and ask for help. But I just don't believe that at all. I feel like, you know, if I've got something to learn 
even in like this, uh, when I was cooking, I, I remember like someone that was older than me taking advice from someone that was younger. They would be, they didn't want to do it at all. They were just really like, nah, they were just like the know-it-all. Do you know what I mean? Like they just right. don't want to get help because it's a, it's a, it's a clash on their ego. But I really encourage people to do it because most likely, well, I've just proven it twice. Like both, I asked two people, can they help me? And they both said yes. So my default almost is like, I'm going to ask someone for help and they're going to say yes. Like that's my default. I don't go into it going, oh, I'm going to ask them and maybe they will say no or whatever. You just go, no, 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 they're going to say yes. And that's probably, you know, that's probably like 99%. Like, I don't know. Have you had situations where people said no? No. No, that's what I mean. Like it's 99. I'm just trying to rack my brain. That's why I paused for a second. I'm like, wow. I can't remember the time where I've asked someone for help and they've like flat out just gone, no, I can't help you. I don't think that ever, they find a way. You know what I mean? Like if someone asks me for help, maybe if it's not the right timing or, you know, they want, they're asking something, maybe they say, hey, can you come and do um, like a retreat for me for seven days for free? Then I'd be like, well, you know, that's no, to ask. but, you know, yeah let's let's do something else you know like how else can i help you there's always a way and that's probably why you are more open and willing to help when people come to you as well yes yeah that's right yeah and i really enjoy it too and that's that's what i'm saying like other people feel that as well it's not just me like i don't want to just help people and support people it's so rewarding for other people to do that that's why when i ask them i know already that they're going to be stoked to help me they're going to be really happy about it yeah, and it just shows when I ask them. Wow, amazing. So from Vancouver, you moved to Newcastle back and started TMC. What was that transition like? Yeah, so there was, there was a big transition of me, sorry, at the end of my uh, career as like brewing, and I knew that I was moving back. I was getting my Cert 3, Cert 4, getting all the business names sorted and all the legalities and all that kind of stuff worked out. So then when I came back to Newcastle, I knew that I was like, I wanted to get going straight away because I didn't have another job lined up or anything like that. I was going to come back and I was going to start the movement collective and I was going to start teaching movement. That was it. So when I came back, I got my first aid certificate and then I was just good to go. That was the only thing that I had left to do. I planned really well. I did all the work leading into it. I didn't leave it up to chance. I kind of went after everything. I found my um, space that I was going to train out of. It was a space in Newcastle, they already had a big gym and I just was going to rent off them just a small section of their gym just to start out. And then the plan was to upscale into our own facility. And I think that happened after about the first 12 months, we found our first facility or maybe within inside the first 12 months we we're able to do that. But yeah, I kind of hit the ground running, I would say like it just, it just happened. So when I came back, I was doing one-on-one -on -one privates. And again, I didn't really have any idea what I was doing. I was just, you know, some of the work that I'd done previously and some of the mentoring, things like that. So I just wrote programs for these guys and we did some one-on-ones and they saw really good progress over their period training with them as well. So it was obviously working. But within the first few weeks, I decided that I was going to run a couple of workshops. And those workshops really were just massive. They sold out and had 20 or 30 people in each workshop over a couple of weekends. In the beginning itself? Yeah, it was like wow. literally the second week that I was teaching that I had ever taught anyone move it. The second week, I had about 20 people in the workshop. And how did you market these workshops? Through Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. And did you have, did you have a good following on Instagram during that time? I was, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty decent, but it was mostly people that knew me already. People that knew me from like CrossFit or from like, you know, friends or friends of friends, you know, like how you have all these people on Facebook, maybe sometimes you don't even talk to them, but you still kind of like see them pop up every now and then people started to notice what I was doing. They're like, Oh, and I'd get random messages while I was in Canada saying, Oh, that's really cool. Like, you know, how did you learn how to do a backflip and all this kind of stuff? So can you teach me how to handstand when you get back to Australia? Things like that. So that was super helpful to use that free tool to kind of build up, you know, the, the audience space to get people interested in, in movement. Cause it's, it's pretty different to, to the general kind of fitness routines that people normally do. And between that, your work on, you know, doing workshops and, and renting a space in another gym and then building that full fledged TMC that we have now, what were some of the 
big struggles that you had something that you know which was something that was that did not feel easy or something that felt like oh this this is so hard maybe this is not the right decision did you did you did you get that feeling any, at any point yeah so i guess i burned myself out a couple of times so it was just like the overload of growing a business going through all the ups and downs of the business just riding the wave by myself that was just huge i began to get other teachers on board and getting them to help out but at one point i was literally just doing everything with inside the business i was managing the clients onboarding new members i was canceling memberships i was restarting new like um memberships that were on pause i was working the payments the people that didn't pay the oh, the workshops the classes the programming the the rent the facility there was just you like this when i think back i'm like holy how did i do that and i did that but it was at a kind of detriment to my own health so there was a few times where i just burnt out there was one time i just went to bali it was on the thursday i remember and i was just like just so run down and stressed and that i just had to leave so i got people to cover the classes for a week and i literally just went on the sunday 3 days later i was in bali oh wow okay. and i remember walking I was walking down the beach. I got to the hotel and I put my I put my all my stuff down. I grabbed my surfboard. I was staying right on the beach and I just started walking up the beach and I was just kind of like just trudging up the beach like this. Um just kind of still frustrated and angry and just so in my head and all this stuff's going on like how am I going to make it work? Like it's it's I'm really passionate about it but it's just too stressful. And that's all I could really think about. But I went surfing and I just stayed out there for you know a couple of hours got some really good waves and just really relaxed into it and on my way back it's it's almost like i feel like this was the first time that i really truly felt present on my way back walking down the beach i noticed everything like everything was just heightened it was like i dropped into this presence that i'd never felt before and the the sand was sparkling it looked like it was glitter and there was hundreds of crabs crawling up the beach and the waves are beautiful and the sun and the sky and all these things that i just didn't notice before and i just had this like tunnel vision walking and just trudging up the beach just like fully stressed fully in my mind and it took me you know to do like to take a surf and just to kind of relax into feeling again to kind of get that presence back so that was a really kind of eye opening experience for me to know that that I can kind of drop into that and I don't have to be always in my head and always worried about things and always pushing and always you know focus on conquering that was the kind of energy that I was that I had back then and it's very different now like that was 2 years ago so it's very different again now and so the struck yeah that was probably the biggest struggles like just dipping in and out of hitting the wall like just going too hard burning myself out but I've got a really great team now So in April 2021, so this year it's six years I've owned the business. We've got the full-on kids program. My sister has bought into TMC Kids, so she's like owns the majority share of that. So she's running that, and we've got a bunch of teachers working under TMC Kids, and all these teachers helping out. We've got admin support. Like we're just we've built a kind of business now where it's not just relying on me. So I'm really happy with the with the way that things went and you know maybe those things are necessary for me to really understand like what it takes um to run a business like to know the ins and outs of it but then also understand that like I said before like knowing when to put my hand up and say hey hey I need some help not just trying to pushing through to go no I can do this myself you know like to go all right enough's enough I don't feel good right now. My training really fell apart as well. That was probably another thing that really, you know, I was in this to be a movement teacher and also to show people movement, but I wasn't moving. I was just, you know, getting up teaching all the classes and at one point I felt like what am I doing? You know, like I'm teaching these people movement and I don't even move myself. That's what I felt. Like that was that was the kind of dialogue that was going on and I was like this is not okay. So in the last kind of I'd say 12 months, 2 years I've really been dialing that back in and it's sounds a bit selfish but it's all about me right now which is really good. Yeah, it seems selfish but it's like I'm able to to show up so much better now for everybody else and for myself because I show up for myself first. So that was a really really big lesson that I've learned over these 
you know, over these few years of running the business that everything else would be sweet. I've just got to trust myself, but also give myself the love and the attention that I deserve, that I need to kind of thrive. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Mm. I, I almost feel like, you know, there are different elements or pillars that we have in life. Like you've got career, you've got uh, relationships, you've got your personal goals, you've got money. There are, there are different pillars of life. Uh, and it's almost impossible to focus on each and every pillar at the same time. So what we do is we try to focus on one or two of them at a time. Mm-hmm. And then we, we do it enough so that it's at a stage where we can let go off for a while and let it run on autopilot mode. And then we focus on something that is more important. So which is similar to what you did as in, you felt that TMC required your full attention at a certain stage. So you gave your all to it during that time. And then after a while, you felt that, you know, it's, I'm, I've done enough and I've been doing too much. I'm not focusing on myself. So now is the time that I let off that control and focus and maybe get help from others and then focus on myself. Yeah. Uh, that's how I think about it. And yeah, you've, uh, showed that and and you're right that uh, maybe it was important for you to go through all that initially to to get that learnings to learn that okay this is how business is done this is what all i need to do to uh, make uh, tmc what it is right now and get the right support and help from outside yeah 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 i fully agree yeah you got it's like you've got to see the dark to, to see the light like you've got to be in it at some point to see the the opposite and I definitely was in it for, for quite a while. <laughs> so last year, uh, pandemic happened and a lot of things changed suddenly. The gyms were closed and they were closed not just for a few weeks. They were closed for months. And I've seen your journey uh, through Instagram. And I noticed that, you know, when the pandemic happened, it was a setback for most people. And all other personal trainers and gyms were sort of cribbing about the fact that gyms are closed and we can't do anything and it's so hard. Whereas on the other hand, you started uh, working on your online program and you started quickly thinking of how do I retain the members that I have, not just retain, but give them value so that they can continue their journey of movement. So tell me something about that. What was going through your mind when the pandemic happened and uh, how did you decide that, okay, this is what I want to do? So I guess we, we started to anticipate a lockdown. We didn't know until it was like the Sunday night or something like that. And they're like, all right, you guys are going to be closed. Oh no, it might've been the Friday or Saturday, but literally had two days to work it out. But actually the week or two leading into it, we started to already tweak our online program because we thought that there's potential for the lockdown to happen because it's been happening in other places, right? We just, you know, you guys probably locked down before us and other places in the world. So we kind of had that idea that maybe we'll lock down. So yeah, we just started working on the online. We started redoing the videos for our handstand program, started shooting some more videos and just started planning just in case. And yeah, that's that weekend. They basically said that as of Monday, all gyms are closed and we didn't know how long it was for. It ended up being about three months. So we took a huge hit. We, we had like 135 members at the time and it was the most members we've ever had at TMC. So things were doing really well. And we'd made all these changes because um, like each time the business, I, I guess this applies with every business, but ours especially, as you move up a level, so say if we go from 100 members to 120 members, the same systems won't work. So we need to change things. We need to add new classes, add new teachers, change the programming structure, things like that. So we had done all the work all this work and then boom we lost all these members again and we i don't know how many we had when we were doing the lockdown um but we did a, whatever we could you know like we had all the online program a lot of people got involved in it which was great but a lot of people did cancel and then we tried to keep it going a lot of people stayed motivated but then there was a lot of people that just weren't motivated to train at home because the community element is what they really love a tmc or a gym, any gym you know like going in there seeing people training with them that's such a huge component. So that was one big lesson that we took from the shutdown that people really value people, you know, that connection. They don't want to look at a screen all the time because most people look at a screen all day for work. And if they've got to go home and then watch another, you know, turn the computer on again and watch something, 
that they would normally show up in person for, it was a bit of a drag for them. So we understood that. We tried to keep the vibe as high as we possibly could. So we did our best. Um, but I just think just the nature of it, it just, it just didn't work so well. Um, so I think we'll try to do different things. It will still happen again next time. We try to do some outdoor activities when we can, you know, we were kind of locked down for a period of time when we just couldn't do anything. So yeah, no one really knew what to do. And I th really do think that we did the best we can to keep everything going. Um, but then coming back into it, we lost, we, we asked all the members if they wanted to come back. A few people weren't ready to come back. So I think we started back with about 40 members. So we're back up to roughly, you know, after how many months it is now, I'm not even sure, but we're roughly at about hundred members for the adults and the kids is back up to around 200 members. Wow. So yeah, the kids program is absolutely massive. Good. It's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, we're building it up and it's, and it's all happening. We were able to get a reduction in our rent, which was really cool, but it was just really tough. But I, I also know that it was probably tougher for other people that live in other parts of the world because I was listening to a podcast, a guy that owns a movement gym over in Brazil and they were closed for six months. And when they did the interview, it was a, it was a podcast and he was saying that they're still locked down. Like, so I'm pretty grateful that it was only three months and we were able to come out the other end and still have our facility and still be able to offer the services that we do. Yeah, yeah. In, in India, gyms have not opened completely even now. So mm. and it's probably going to go on for a little longer. It was just so unexpected and like everyone's doing what they can. But yeah, it just it was just pretty hectic times. But you pulled it off pretty well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I used to watch your stories and I've seen that, you know, uh, it was pretty quick. Like you just created an online program. You created some online programs and moved every, everything online uh, it, was, it just took like a week or so where people take months to start off yeah that's right it took a week but that's all we had it was basically like we only had a few days really so we just did as much as we can those three days were just like so busy hmm. what was going on in your head were you like uh, anxious that okay what's going to happen how are we yeah. going to sustain or were you thinking like let's see what happens but let's let's get over this let's let's do the next next best thing yeah i i guess it was um there was fears originally of um because there started to be a few cases pop up in newcastle and there was a few originally of like someone at tmc getting it and for that to just like you know because it just it'd probably just leave a bad reputation on the brand itself if someone was to get it then everyone would, would want to cancel their membership so leading into it, I was like really fearful of that. It was that that was coming up a lot for me, thinking that, you know, at some point there's going to be a case because they were just popping up everywhere. And again, you know, Newcastle wasn't as bad as anywhere in the world. Like we're really, really lucky. But then when it came to the online, it was like, yeah, we just did, we did what we could and we, yeah, we just had to do it fast. It was almost all we forced into it. We didn't have the luxury of going, all right, we're going to design this program. We're going to do an app and we're going to take three months and get all these like developers in. It was like, all right, it's go time. Like, let's just sit down and do the work. And at that point we just, yeah, we just did it. We shot the videos. We brainstormed the idea of how it was going to work. We decided not to go with regular live classes. We did a few of those, but I know a lot of gyms did live classes every day. We actually just didn't want to commit to doing a live class every single day. We just knew that that would take up a lot of our energy and we wanted to pre-shoot the videos, have them on the platform so people could watch them whenever they, they wanted to. So now we've got this online platform with all these videos and stuff like that. You know, it probably still needs some work, but we've, we created a lot of content during those three months that we're really proud of like the workouts and stuff like that are really cool we shot most of it here in my in my little apartment and then when we were able to go back into the gym at some point so we started shooting back in there yeah but it was crazy like it was yeah i can imagine and that's the thing right you created a lot of content during that time which was supposed to be for that particular period but it's still relevant now and you can people yeah. can still benefit by accessing that yeah, we've still got a few people on our online program. We haven't, to be honest, I haven't put a lot of attention into that. But at some point, my focus is going to shift from TMC, the physical facility, back into online and, and really do this up. So there's an app or something like that. But yeah, like we were saying before, online that would is be amazing. Yeah, yeah. But it'd be cool just to have, you know, everything that we teach um, 
and on on an online platform so anyone can access it anywhere in the world because yeah we do we do have something really special and i think after you left we developed the movement standards which you wouldn't have seen so it's basically each one of our big movements is about nine of them we have got progressions and videos for each one of these and shows the members exactly how to go from progression number one to progression say number 10. so that's kind of something new that we've that we've been doing and it seems to be working really well. So then that way we can have, we're not just telling people, you know, they're not turning up to a class, class and we're saying, hey, you're doing chin-ups. And then everyone has to figure out how to do chin-ups. It's like, we're doing pulling strength and then you work at your level. So some people could be at level 10 doing like 20 kilo weighted chin-ups for eight reps. Other people could be doing ring rows for eight reps because that's the level that they're at. So the system works really well. So I'd like to somehow, you know, capture that, take that and put it, an online system uh, that sounds interesting and that's that's how it should be done right that yeah everyone can participate in the class but they can work at their own level rather than trying to do what the other person is doing right next to them and that was yeah i feel like that's what makes it really different to what i experienced when i was doing crossfit it just wasn't set up like that okay maybe it's different now but it's been a long time since i did crossfit <laughs> right yeah, okay maybe i'll come give it a try next time i'm in australia yeah, well, when are you coming to Australia? When's the next visit? Not sure. I haven't really decided. At some point in time, wherever that happens, I'll definitely come and see you. I would like to ask you a question. What was your experience like at TMC? Like when you came, like what kind of vibe did you get? What did you get out of doing the classes for the month? Like what was your experience? I loved it. Uh, hands down, loved the experience. Uh, one month was not enough for me. Uh, if I had time, I would have spent a lot more. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me was how friendly everyone was and how there was a lot of emphasis on sharing. So everyone was ready to share. Uh, there was, it wasn't like you know people were trying to hide or trying to uh, not tell you the right progressions or, or things to do. Not just teachers, but even, even the students who, were, uh, who come there on a regular basis, they were very supportive. And from day one itself, I felt like I'm in a place where I've been there for a while. Like it's, it wasn't like, I didn't feel like an outsider there. I didn't feel like an outsider. I felt like, okay, I've, I mean, I've been here for a while. It's, it's easy to make friends here. And I'm, I'm not an extrovert. I'm uh, an ambivert leaning towards introversion. So for me, interacting with people takes time. It takes time to build a bond. Uh, mm-hmm. And I could do that fairly easily. So, uh, and that talks uh, length about the facility. And that's why I, whenever I talk to someone who is in Australia, I always recommend them that if you are around Newcastle or if you are in Sydney, you must travel to uh, the Movement Collective. It's, it's a great experience to be there. Awesome, man. It's good to hear. Yeah, I feel like you fit in really well too. Like you were just kind of showing up. And I always say that to people like if they show up and they and they want to be a part of the community, they will be part of the community. But you've got to, you know, you've got to put yourself out there as well. You can't just like hide in the corner. We do a lot of partner activities and I do see this a lot, but I call people out on it. So if I'm like, hey guys, find a partner. And there's always a couple of people in the class that kind of like turn around or they put their head down and they don't find a partner. Yeah. And I feel like they're the same, same people that would be picked last in a soccer team at school. It's almost like you're stitching yourself up. And that's what I see. It's like, if you want it, you've got to get it. So if I say pick a partner, like look up and just find someone because you're not going to look at them and say, hey, like can we partner up? And they're going to say no. And find the first person that you see. First person you see, just say that, okay, let's, let's, yeah, yeah, let's do it's it together. Yeah. yeah. What we're talking about before is like, they're not going to say no. Yeah. Yeah. The people may have had an experience in high school, picking last in the soccer team. So they've got this one experience that now they, in the same similar situation, that they then all of a sudden just kind of, you know, retract and they don't want to put themselves out there because they've experienced pain in the past. But I think TMC really shows that we can kind of like show them a new experience and it's not freaking high school. It's like everyone is there to show up for themselves, but also to look after and support everyone else. And that's a part of the culture. And that's, that's, an, that's an amazing culture that you've built. And I know it's not easy to do that. And the fact that you've done that and able to sustain it for this long, and it's been six years, uh, that's uh, 
really amazing. I don't know how we really do it. I couldn't give you the template for it. I don't really know. <laughs> I wish there was a template. I wish there was a template, but I'm pretty sure it's it's about your values and and the values that you imbibe on others. Uh, yeah, it, it's a culmination of everything. That's amazing. Thanks a lot for having this chat. Cool. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. That was a good chat. Guys, this was amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You can refer to the show notes to know more about Rod and the amazing work he has been doing. If you're interested in fitness and nutrition coaching, check out my one-on-one online coaching page at abhimanyubhargav.com and book a free discovery call to know more. Links are in the show notes. This is the first episode of this year, so I wish you all a happy new year and an amazing year ahead. To many more episodes to come. So goodbye for now and I'll see you in next episode. Have a wonderful day and be awesome.